afternoon, afternoon, depending on what coast you're on. But I'm pretty sure it's either going to the afternoon or it's already in the afternoon. So thank you for taking the time to tune in to Jiva Neva Podcast. Don't forget to check out my blogs, Elite Divas Fashion, or you can check out Miss Neva Inc. It's all me, Jiva Neva. And as noted, I did say I was going to open every episode either with a prayer or with a scripture. The last episode, I started with a scripture. So this time, I'll start it off with a prayer. So I would ask for you to bow your head and close your eyes. But nine times out of ten, that's highly unlikely. So I'm going to just get into it. God, thank you for another day. Thank you for another minute leading to another hour. God, please allow the days to be as long and stretch my energy, stretch my understanding, stretch my patience, stretch me as the day is long. Give me a direction every minute, every moment of every hour. From it's already been sun up to sundown. Father God, I don't want the day to close out without acknowledging you, saying thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate life and I appreciate you giving me life and life more abundantly. Father God, if there's anything that we have done or have not said, as far as when it comes to repentance, as far as when it comes to getting right with you, Thank you for allowing us another day, another opportunity to get it right and to get it straight. Amen. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for allowing the prayer to go through. And if you feel that there's a prayer that you want to chime in, as always, you can comment on anything. Do not hesitate or be fearful. And wanting to chime in. Okay. So this episode. I actually have a lot of things. I want to address this episode. But first and foremost. I want to get into the simple fact. That October has a lot of things going on. And this shouldn't just be. An October issue. This should be. A year long. Situation. Mental health. Mental health is something that is so taboo in a lot of uh, cultures. And the reason why I say that is because being a black woman, um, we were always taught what happens in our house stays in our house. So those four walls, those four walls, that roof, everything stays in that house, stays in that home. You don't go outside. You don't tell people about what's going on in your home. You don't tell people what kind of things are taking place. You keep it to yourself. You don't tell neighbors. You don't tell friends. You don't tell anybody. You keep that in-house. So once you leave the house, once you come back, it's still in the house. Nothing has changed. Nothing was addressed. Nothing was moved. It just, it's problematic. It's not going anywhere. 
And I think that's the biggest problem that we have, especially in the, my culture, is that because we don't address these issues, we let them fester for decades and generations upon generations upon generations. I had a stepfather once who he actually ended up disciplining two of my sisters. Um, I was terrified of this man. I was more afraid of him due to the fact that he saw me more sexually than anything because he would look at me as, you know, she's not my physical daughter, but I'm waiting until she matures. I'm waiting until she grows up. To a certain point to where I can do certain things with her. To where I can um, mess with her. And so I gained so much weight. I got huge, huge. I think I gained over. Um, I gained over 90 pounds. I gained over 90 pounds. And I was gunning to be over 100 at that point because I didn't want him to look at me and to because I figured once he would notice that I was actually growing my boobs I was in trouble and what really sucked was my boobs and my hips came all in at once so and mentally I didn't know how to handle that I didn't know how to deal with that situation so, and I would try to hide it. I would cover it up. I would wear layers and layers and layers of clothes. And then, um, no lie, sorry, Leah, but I would take her sports bras. I would really try to dumb the chest part down. And, and it's like, how are you dumbing your chest down if you were wearing a sports bra? This is how. Because I would wear bulky shirts. And I was gaining so much weight. I figured one plus one would cancel out too. So I figured I was in the clear. But it wasn't until he caught me um, in the kitchen on some, on a lie. He said that um, I wasn't washing the dishes right. And he was going to teach me how to wash the dishes right. So I had to unload the dishwasher. And... He stood in behind me and he was going to show me how to wash dishes. And to me, I was scared. I was terrified. I didn't know exactly what to say. I didn't know what to do. And it was, it was things like that, that again, would escalate and they would prolong into other areas so for the most part it got to the point to where he felt he was hearing he had every right to do what it is he felt he wanted to do and when he disciplined my sisters um he had a belt and he hit them so hard he hit them so hard, even me being in the other room, I was shook. I was scared. I was terrified because I knew when he was done with them, he was going to come in there to do that to me. So I'm scared. I'm terrified. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm paralyzed at that point. 
And especially due to the fact that, for the most part, because he was alone with us sometimes, my mother was unaware. A lot of times these things happened. These things took place. So, to me, it was... It was almost to the point where thinking that there was an escape was terrifying. It's like, how can, how dare I think I can escape from this, I can get away from this, because where am I going to go? What, what what can I say? What can I do? Because what happens here has to stay here. What what ha- it occurs here has to stay here. Um... And that's the thing. There's always, 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 always a way out. And that's something that I have learned now that I've gotten older. I don't have to subject myself to physical or emotional abuse at all. Because I had a really bad problem when I was growing up. I used to just take pills just to take pills to just numb the pain. To just numb the fact that I couldn't deal with what was going on. I took so many um, aspirins, and I mean, I, and I don't mean just like regular aspirins. I would just literally, I would just about take any pill that was reachable. So if it was like something from, like, say, I didn't have a toothache, but I would take the toothache pills just to numb down, just to numb myself down. Or I would take Excedrin just to numb myself down. But um, but I didn't really start getting into the Excedrin pills and things like that until after my mother got a divorce from my, step, my first stepfather because I just really wanted to sleep after that. And what sucked was um, my system had become so aware of Excedrin PM, it wouldn't even take effect. A pill that is supposed to kick in within minutes, I was still up walking around the house. I was still up getting into things. Like I would start moving furniture or I would start cleaning stuff or I would start working out. I would do anything and everything to try to fall asleep. But I did it to myself because my body had grown numb to Excedrin PM. So, and these are the things that happen to a lot of times when you hold on to a lot of things and you don't vent, when you don't come across yourself. Yes, come across yourself and say, hey, hey, mic check, mic check. This is what bothers me. This is what ails me. This is my I don't want to say my compulsion, but this is what I am geared towards. This is where I am constantly battling. And sometimes if we would just release and let go. At my age now, it gets to that point to where you just have to say, you know what? That was then. This is now. And it took literally because... When I was last year, I was in California and I begged not to go. I begged, I begged, I begged, I begged, I begged my mother. In fact, I told her literally days before we had to go. Um, 
well, days before she wanted to go. Um, I didn't want to go. I couldn't go. This is not going to be a turnaround trip. I said that. She didn't hear me. She wasn't listening. Um, she didn't want to hear it. She said she just wanted to go out there. She wanted to help. And then she was going to come back. It's going to be a turnaround trip. I said, you're not listening to me. This is not going to be a turnaround trip. We're not coming back. So, again, it fell on deaf ears, so I walked off. And then the next day, she comes back, and she says, Geneva, is your backpack yet? Are you ready? We're going. So get your stuff ready. I'm not going. She still wasn't listening. And then the day of that Sunday, that Sunday, we were supposed to go to church, but we didn't go to church that day. And um, she literally, she said, so is your backpack? Are you ready to go? It's going to be real quick. I'm not going. I don't want to go. I have business here. I have work here. Geneva ain't not far ready. We're going to go. It's going to be a turnaround trip. Get your stuff so we can go. I don't want to hear any more about it. Shut up. That was the biggest thing. We have to stop telling our children to shut up. Sometimes, every now and again, shut up's not going to cut it. It's really not. Because the more you tell them to hush, the more you tell them to stop speaking on things or to stop trying to warn things, that's the problem. Sometimes we do these things to ourselves and sometimes the backlash hits them as well. But, okay, so, and my mom, I, she ended up um, coming back to me, um, like, once I ended up coming back to Phoenix, because I had to go through surgery and everything, which was crazy to me, because literally, I was knocked out after the accident, and I remember coming to long enough to see that the fact that my mother had already gotten out of the car. She had to go outside. She had to get out on the passenger side in the in the back seat of the car. So to show you how knocked out I was, I didn't feel her get out. Well, okay. I didn't feel her get out of the driver's seat. I didn't feel her cross the middle, the console part of the car to go and get out of the back seat on the passenger side on the left passenger side because I'm sitting on the right side the door was completely knocked in so I I wasn't going to be able to move anyway and um I could see her standing there kind of moving back and forth I couldn't really move move um I could barely move my head so it was more so my peripheral was showing me out her outside the car and that's when I said, okay, God, you let her get out. So if this is my last day on earth, if this is my last day on this earth, forgive me for all of my sins. Forgive me for all of my unrighteousness. Forgive me for anything I'm forgetting to mention right now, God, because I don't want to die. In this moment, without atoning for all my wrongs. And if if I have 
no sense right now to account for. Please let me go in peace. But keep in mind, take care of this for me. I have God babies back in Phoenix. I have God children back in Phoenix. Take care of them. Watch over them. I have niece and nephews back in Phoenix. Take care of them. Cover them. I said, and God, I have sisters. I said, we don't always get along. We don't always um, come together. I said, but if for nothing else, for me, if for me even counts, see about them. And I said, you see my mother, you know what she needs. Help her through this. God, I don't know exactly what you have planned for me, but if tonight is my last night on your great, great, great earth, please let me go in peace. Please let me go without regrets. Please let me go without unfinished business. I want my business to be complete and finished. I want it to the point to where you say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear you say. There's even a song that says that. That's where they say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's what I want the Lord to say. Well done, well done. That's what I want my Lord to say. Okay, that's all the music you get from me. But um, but that's how serious I was. Because I honestly felt like I was getting ready to die that night. Sitting in the car, I, my mother called my Aunt Terry at least four times before we even got on that side to where her street was. But she wasn't listening to the GPS. She wasn't listening to me. She wasn't listening to my aunt. She was her sister. So she she was driving like ridiculous. And it's another reason why I do, but I don't really trust her behind the wheel. Because I remember another accident we got into like decades before this one. To where the car spun around and turned us around. And... um. We were all in the car. And then, um, and when I say we we're all in the car, it was my mother, my sisters. And so, for the longest time, off and on, I was losing trust with my mom being behind the wheel of a car anyway. Because there was another time when she, she wasn't feeling well, so she took an aspirin. And... We all got in the car. I don't know why my godson was came with us. Like my sister, my godson, myself, my mother, of course. And so we all ended up driving to Walgreens. And she takes an aspirin before we leave the store. And she literally forgot there was a median in the middle of the street. And she, in her, um, at that time, she had her other Mercedes at that time. And she literally goes right over the medium. And her reaction to that was, oh, what was that? Oh, oh, 
the median, huh? You drove over the median. Now, keep in mind, there's traffic coming up and down the street. And she goes over the median, and then she has to, like, merge over to the other side really quick to avoid more traffic. And in her mind, I don't think she ever took the time to contemplate exactly how dangerous that could have been for everybody. Especially this little guy. So, but yeah, my faith in her being behind a wheel was already shot like decades before that. Because I remember when um, she would call me from upstairs to come downstairs to go with her to go pick up my first stepfather. And he was so, he was so gone after um, they were walking him out. These two Caucasian women were under his arm. He had one on each arm. And then he asked my mother to let him drive. My mother gets out of the driver's seat on the driver's side to go um, sit in the passenger side. I'm sitting in the back seat of this sob and I knew it was a bad idea I don't know why she got out the car so but there he is he's gonna drive but he's driving down instead of driving home instead of driving us home he pulls down this side street and I don't know if you guys remember where um in Scottsdale, where the Cheesecake Factory is now, that big old cheesecake that sits right before... It's like, literally, you have the W now, which is a little further down, but you also have the Scottsdale Baltimore um, Mall, and then you have um, some more shopping centers and things like that. It's definitely upgraded and changed since um, the Hollywood Cafe. It used to be the Hollywood Cafe, which is now the Cheesecake Factory. Um, or not the now the Cheesecake Factory. The Cheesecake Factory had nothing to do with the Hollywood Cafe. But you get my point. Um, they changed it since then. But long story short, he took us all the way around to the other side of town. We got out of Scottsdale, and he drove on this other side of town to get his stuff to get his junk and so he only said two words before he got out the car and on this street at mind you at this time this was pretty much i guess it was it, it was a neighborhood but um they only had one one street light one street light and it was kind of and it wasn't even in the middle of this community. It was just, it was further down. Well, actually, no, it was further up because there were no other lights on the street. No other lights. And he says, stay down. He said, stay down. Then he, then he got out the car. He's like, stay down. Like, telling a child to stay down is almost as if you're begging them to be curious. You're pretty much poking them. Hey, stay down. It's okay. Stay down. Don't, you know, don't look at the window. It's like the same thing when you tell people, don't look down. 
automatically your eyes are going to want to look down. Even if you're afraid of heights, you are still going to want to look down because there is something in your subconscious that says you have to look down. So, as scared as I was, um, I could peek up a little bit from the back seat, but I couldn't see see. I could see two figures. I could see him. I could see a guy sitting in what would have been like a beach chair, a lawn chair, and that was already suspect. It's like, why is this dude sitting on this beach-type lawn chair in the middle of this dark neighborhood? Who the fuck would do that? Why? What? 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 Why are we here? My mother never said a word. Not a word. And um, what really sucked was because I ended up um. I ended up adjusting for some reason. I don't remember why I shot up the way I did, but um, they both were looking at me, and I was like, Oof! so I had to duck back down in the seat, and then when he finished doing his business, like paying for it, whatever the fuck he was paying for, um, he comes back to the car, and he said, you're going to get it. I told you to keep your head down. But because you wanted to be nosy, you're going to get it. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what that was going to lead up to at the time. Because at that time, I, I, I really didn't know how much of you're going to get it. I didn't know what that meant. Because my mother didn't say anything. My mother didn't stop him. And saying it. It was almost as if she heard it. Or she didn't hear it. She dismissed it. Whatever the case might have been. But I shouldn't have been in that car anyway. I shouldn't have been there. Anyhow. See it's little things like that. It's the. Those little memories, things like that, at some point at my age, I should have learned to deal with. I should have learned the stepping stones, not so much to get up and over it, but I should have learned better to handle those situations. Because sending me to um, a panic attack mode, as I got older, it, it used to take... Um, and it used to be minor things would send my heart in a frenzy, would send me to a level to where I wouldn't be able to breathe. I couldn't focus. I couldn't concentrate. Now that I've gotten older, um, I will say that I take a step back and I assess the situation. I'm not first to jump. I'm not the first to run and plunge into anything. I try to take my time to pace myself. Is this a good decision for me? Am I going to make the right move at this time? Is this something that I can handle at this time? Is this something that I can do that I can handle to deal with? Is this something that's going to impact my future for the better? Or is this going to be something that is going to make my future dimmer and worse? So I definitely take more of my time. And especially with most decisions I make now, I try to calculate them 
Because in life, you can't always predict everything, but I try to assess the odds. If I do this, how bad is it going to be? Or if I do that, how great is it going to be? The thing is, you can't always look at the negative. You can't always look at things to fall apart. You, you really can't do that. And it took me a long time to get to that part. Because for me, it's always seemed like my life was on that like slippery slope. And that slippery slope, nine times out of ten, when I say that, it was going downward. Like even if I had high tones of excellence, something somewhere would slap it all the way back down. And it was like, okay, I guess this is my reality. This is this is what it's going to be. And I spoke at a turn when I was speaking to my cousin because I said it was it, the situation between me and um, my sibling. Well, the house, pretty much. I said this is more racial than anything. This is more tension racially than anything. And the thing is, I spoke at a turn when I said that because what I meant to say was, was my mother made a comment to me one time because we were walking from um, the parking lot and we were walking up to my sister's, uh, my younger sister's apartment. And um, my mother kept talking about my stepfather, she, my other stepfather. She, she's it was like yuckety yuckety yuck about this man. I really didn't want to hear it. I didn't come there for it. I wasn't going there for it. I didn't care. That was my mentality at that time. I don't care. But you can't say that to your parent. You can't say it. So I didn't. I just... I, she kept walking, so I slowly walked in behind her. I started looking at my phone. I started mentally wandering off. Some of it I could still hear because she kept saying his name. So I was like, okay, when well, she's done talking about him, let's find another conversation to talk about. Wrong choice. Wrong choice. Because when I was looking down, I didn't notice that she had stopped walking because I ended up backing into her. And then that's when she asked me, what was my flipping problem? Where do I get off? Why do I have so much animosity when it comes to him? Because he was the only father I was ever going to know. And in my mind, that's actually what pissed me off. Because she said that was going to be the only father I was ever going to know. And to me, he wasn't a father to me. He was a father to my other sisters, including his own daughter. Um, so I didn't see how I benefited from that. I really didn't see how my life was this grand arrival type thing. I really didn't. And that's where a lot of the tension between us, well, I would say, I can't say us, because my other sisters, they would ask him for things. He would roll out the red carpet. Like, he didn't mind. Like, I remember when he would literally, this is what, and this is something, my mother didn't put her foot down and stop this when it was going on. Um, he called my cell phone 
to tell me to to let my sisters know that he was coming so they would be ready to go because he was getting ready to come so they could leave with him and they would leave with him they would go to restaurants they would go shopping at the mall later on it would come out that he told my sister told him that he she didn't want him to take care of me she didn't want him to do anything for me and when that news came out i wasn't surprised it came out like decades later but um, my mom said, no, 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 it wasn't like that. He wouldn't have acted like that. I said, really, name one time when it wasn't like that. One time when it wasn't the case. And she said, well, she was younger. She didn't really mean it. I said, but you, he listened to a child, which happened to be his child, his and there would be conversations where he would honestly just say it with no remorse, no no decree of trying to have some type of kid gloves. I was talking to my daughter. I was talking to my child. I was talking to her. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to her. Little things of that separation, that kind of things of that tension. And then I, al- I always felt that in that sense, Ultimately, the lighter you were, the better you were. And I, when I said it to my cousin, I didn't say it exactly like that. What I said was it was more racial than anything. But my cousin took it up and in, in the opposite direction. And even when I tried to explain it, I was trying to clear up what I meant. I, I just ended up making it worse. I ended up saying it to a way she didn't understand me. So I felt bad. I felt like... Because I couldn't express myself to her. I felt like it wasn't going to come out clear anyway. She was going to take it the way she took it. So I felt once again, shut the freak up. Just shut the hell up. I wanted to shut up so bad after that. But I ended up telling her so much truth um, this past weekend. Because she didn't know I was raped. I had... In fact, my cousin, my other cousin knew, but I don't like calling him cousin. Not, he's like my brother. Like, I love that guy. I love him more than any other. And he knows that. And I know he knows that. I, I mean, I know sometimes Geneva can be erratic. Sometimes Geneva can be out of sorts. But that's just because Geneva's still trying to figure out exactly what the hell it is she's going to do, what she's supposed to do, when she's supposed to do it. It's like everybody's waiting for me to do something in the opposite direction. Either they think I'm going to go off the deep end or they think I'm going to become amazing or more amazing than what I should be so they can benefit from it or so they can say, oh, I remember her when or I knew her when. And And I've been there before because I went to California to do the dance track awards and That was that was a, a bittersweet moment. I mean, but I loved the whole dance track awards, and I loved being there. I loved mixing and mingling with the celebrities. But um, when it became more so a brag that 
would turn into something else on somebody else's perspective, it was like, what's the point? What's the point? So a lot of things that I've done with my life, like even when I was in an independent film, I didn't share that with everybody. I didn't tell everybody. And the thing about it was my mother, excuse me, years later, comes back and she says, what happened to that movie we were supposed to be in? I said, they've already premiered the movie. They've already done it. They took care of it. Why didn't you say anything? Now she's angry. Here's the thing. At that time, we were moving around. It was like, where are we going to live? Where are we going to go? Um, then it was more so a matter and factor of, did she have time? Did she actually care about the movie? Did she actually... Any of that. Because when we were... um, We had to do the walk-in... Um, for the movie, we had to do some minor touch-ups on the last scene, and it was ridiculous, but it almost seemed like she had a tizzy about it. She had, like, she had a situation and feeling about it, but I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do, so for the most part, for me, being a young woman, I just take it as okay so either she's going to be happy with me or she's going to be unhappy with me either way it's kind of a lose-lose because now I'm at that slippery slope to where I don't feel children right now right now is not the good move for me it's no bueno no it's gonna be no good no dice no dice um and on top of that you know, my first miscarriage came because I did actually pray for it. I mean, this man, he said, I think this is love. And he asked me how I felt about marriage. And at first, my first response was, I don't know. I said, marriage? <laughs> how do I feel about marriage? I said, the concept, the concept sounds legit. The concept sounds nice. I said, but growing up, I thought I had the best last name in the world. How little did I know? How little did I know? But I don't think it was how little did I know. It was how little was I trying to admit. And so, yeah, she said, so you don't want to get married? I said, of course. One day. I said, but when I was younger, I thought I had the best last name in the world. I didn't think anything was going to top it. Um, and on top of that, the idea of marriage kind of freaked me out growing up. I said, you know, because my father, no avail, like he didn't marry my mother. But he took off and married this Caucasian woman, went to California. And I think they had children. I'll never know. Because he never said, and it wasn't announced. But not only that, um, because my second stepfather, the way the story was told was when the grandmother was a slave, she was raped by the master. And that's why my second stepfather had white in him 
That's why my sister had was white in her. And so that's where that privy and privilege. And a lot of times she would play up to that privilege because we were people didn't know we were related. But that I could believe that I can strongly believe. But a lot of them just felt like we were kids that would talk to each other at the at the bus stop. You know, the bus would come and pick us up. So they figured we'd walk together because we lived on on the same block. No, we lived in the same house. But a lot of people didn't know that. I would sit in the front of the bus. My sister would always go to the back of the bus. And one day that would bite her in the ass. Because I get up to get ready to get off the bus. And this kid ends up punching me in my back. And I turn around, what the frick is wrong with you? And he said, he said, there we go, here we go, here we go. We about, it's about to go down or something like that. And then they start yelling, get her, get her, get her, get her, get her. I said, who the hell are you talking to? And they said, her. She said, she gonna whoop your ass. Who's gonna whoop my ass? My sister's just standing there looking at them. And I'm like, for real? You gonna whoop my ass? You gonna whoop my ass? She's like, no, 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 we were just talking, and then that's when they were like, no, you said you kick her ass because you you kicked her ass, you know, a lot when you guys were kids. I said, oh, you kicked my ass a lot when we were kids. Really? Now, when did this happen? I don't remember you kicking my ass last time I checked. And I said, I hope you can sell this. If this gets back to mom, I hope you can sell this. So I ended up getting off the bus. I said, this, this is ridiculous. It was it was little things like that because they would look at her, they would look at me, and there was no way they could ever have said they're related. They're sisters. That wasn't going down. That wasn't going to happen. And that's really what I should have explained to my cousin because... We don't look alike. We don't sound alike. Nothing about us really is alike. They always, because she was lighter, they automatically just assumed we weren't related. So, it was like, say la vie. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But... And there were times when that privilege showed because I remember my cell phone ended up getting taken away on the campus because on the campus you couldn't have cell phones out. And to me, when it's your lunch break, you should at least ha- should have had the right to have your cell phone. But And I didn't get this because if something broke out, wouldn't they want kids to have their cell phones so they could call the police or so they could alert their parents hey there's somebody on campus that's not supposed to be here no this hall monitoring woman she took my phone she wrote my name on a tag and put it in the office she said I could get it after school so after school I go to go get my phone 
And I missed the first bus because I have to, I'm looking for Brittany. I'm looking for Itney. And um, I don't know where she is. I can't call her because I don't have my phone. So I'm going to go to the office so I can get my phone back so I can text her or call her and ask where the hell is she? So I finally get to the office after like, I was waiting there for about a good, like I wanna say five or six minutes. I don't think it was 10 minutes. I think it was literally like five or six. Maybe it might, it felt, maybe it felt like mentally 10 minutes, but it was probably five or six. So then um, I have to sign the paper saying that I do know the school school rules i'll obey the school rules and all this kind of stuff so okay maybe that took 10 minutes okay all together it took 10 minutes i was waiting five or six minutes but to finish all the signing and the paperwork 10 minutes total so by that time the bus had really taken off at that point so then um i'm texting her to see where she is she's not answering i'm calling my other sister who literally was across the street well not across the street was like literally like next door to the next school because she was in um i want to say junior yeah she was in junior high so um but any rate Neither one of them was answering. And then my mother called. She's pissed off. Where the hell do you get off? That is so disrespectful. Geneva. So you don't even want to go to the movies with them. You don't even want to eat lunch with them. I didn't raise you that way. What the frick is your problem? What are you talking about? What movie? What lunch? What, what are you talking about? I said, where's Brittany? Where's Brittany? And she said, you don't know? Don't give me that. Don't lie to me. I'm not lying to you. I didn't know they were gone. I was waiting for the bus. The bus took off. I'm waiting for the other bus. Don't you go nowhere. Don't you move from that spot. Then she finally comes. There is no, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't know you didn't know. Or, um... There, there, there was nothing at all because I didn't get text messages from them. When I got my phone back, there was no missed messages. There were no missed calls. So once again, once again, she says, you know what? No, she actually hit me when she picked me up. She actually punched me in the arm. And she, she wasn't going to let me explain that I knew nothing about where they went. I didn't know that they left. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. And then she gets on the phone. And then that's when she finds out. I didn't know. There was no I'm sorry. Um, there was no apologies. Instead, what it was, shut up. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear another freaking thing about this. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it on the way to the house and I don't want to hear it in the house let it go let it go shut up and let it go so I didn't say anything the entire way home and the thing about it was 
um that entire drive all the way home up that hill is a walk I was gonna have to take months later. Months later. I was going from Royal Palm. My sister before we actually moved houses to go um no, because we had already moved houses, so we were up the hill then. But And then we had to switch schools that were closer, so we would be in the same district. But at that point, my grandparents actually picked me up from, picked me up, and they dropped me off at Royal Palm. And wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I'm actually clashing it now. What happened was at that time. I was still going to Washington. I was still going to Washington High School at that time. But my siblings. My younger siblings were going to Royal Palm. So my grandparents picked me up from Washington. And they dropped me off at Royal Palm. So I could sit and wait with my sisters. Before. um, Yeah sit and wait for my sisters. And then my mom would come. Well, I got kicked off the campus of Royal Palm because I wasn't a student there anymore and I couldn't just be on campus to be on campus. I had to either go across the street to Jack in the Box and um or I had to sit at the store or I had to I had to do anything everywhere else but on campus, near the campus or by the campus. So, I had to run across the street and I had some change left over, so I ended up getting, like, I think I got a burger and some fries, I think. And so I proceeded to wait. I was waiting t- until I saw my mom's car. I didn't see her car. Like, I think it was, like, an hour passed, and I still didn't see her. And I started to call her. And then I kept calling her, I kept calling her, I kept calling her. She didn't answer. She, I texted her. She didn't answer. She didn't reply. So then um, my phone was getting ready to die. So I called home because I figured, okay, well, maybe she's at home. Maybe that's why she's not answering her phone because she's at the house. No. Wasn't at the house. He's there. This is my second stepfather. He's there. He's at the house. He answers the phone. And I said, have you, I said, is my mom there? No, your mom's not here. I said, okay, well, I said, I can't wait at the, I can't wait at the, I can't wait at Royal Palm. I said, so, um, and my phone's getting ready to die. This is why I'm calling you from a pay phone. My phone, my cell phone's getting ready to die because I kept calling her and kept calling her. I kept texting her. She didn't, she's not answering. And then that's when he got irate with me. He he went to the point to where he said, go sit down or wait where you are. You can either wait there where you are at that Circle K or you can go sit down in Jack in the Box and wait for your mom to come. Now, at the time, that Circle K didn't have the gas station, the gas pumps that it does now. It didn't have the gas pumps then. And in fact, now... You don't even have the payphone there anymore. The payphone is not there anymore. They they removed the payphone and they added um other stuff. So that just goes to show how many years, 
have gone by since then. So I end up walking past Sunny Slope. No, yeah, so I was actually terrified. I didn't want to wait right there because that was literally where a lot of drug deals were done. That's where a lot of alcoholics went. That's where a lot of like perverts and things like that, they would pretty much camp right there because the, the junior high was across the street. So that was like paradise for them. So I was like, okay, I was like, God, I need you to bless me to make it home. Bless me to make it home. So I took my two legs. I took my feet. And I was gunning it for home. I just started walking up towards home. So I passed Sunny Slope. And then God had me going. Turn down this street. Go up this street. Go around this corner. Go here. Go there. Walk straight. Walk straight. And then I end up going through like a, a neighborhood. So I take off on a, this side street to go down this neighborhood. And then I had to loop around to go up. And then <laughs> it was like the longest walk of my life. I can't tell you how many miles it was. But and whenever I started to cry, I could feel myself getting ready to break down. I just prayed harder. I just kept praying even harder. So every time I wanted to cry, I, I prayed more. Anytime I wanted to scream hurt, I couldn't scream hurt. I couldn't scream wrong or foul. I couldn't do anything other than to say, God, I need to make it home. I need to make it up this hill because I got to go home. And and then um, I was exposed on the mountainside that goes up to it because that's even changed now. Now it's not like that. But um, we had all of this dirt and rocks and um, I want to say hillside, not mountainside, but like hillside, tall hills. And um, I figured if, you know, my mom's driving, then she'll see me and then she can pick me up from here. Never happened. I walk all the way home and I get in the house and the first thing he says to me is, so your mom's back? I said, no. I said, I walked here. What? I said, I walked here by yourself. Yes. Oh, that's your ass. That's your ass. Little things like that. But these are things, if you don't deal with them when you're younger, if you don't vent these things, if you don't find a coping mechanism, they'll, they'll break you down. So in all of this to say this is that past trauma is just that past trauma. You don't live by it anymore. It is what it is. That's the past. It happened. Now it's time to start over. It's a new day. It's a brighter day. You got to start a new day someday. Even if it's today. Thanks for tuning in. Jeeva Neva Podcast.
so um yeah he said that's my ass and so when i i literally thought my mother was gonna come to the house she was gonna drive up and shortly after he said it um i could hear my mom pull up the ramp or pull up in the driveway and so um I was preparing myself because I knew I, I, I just figured I was going to get my ass beat. So I just took a deep breath and I was preparing myself. I knew it was going to come. I didn't know how ticked off she was going to be. I didn't know how prepared I should have been, how alert I should have been. But instead, they found it hilarious. The minute I opened the door, I was getting ready to go into my hole. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, mom. Please, 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 please. And she busts out laughing. Hysterically, she busts out laughing. They all bust out laughing. She got the good foot. She got the good foot. She on that hot foot. She got that hot foot. It's on fire. It's on fire. They thought it was so funny. For miles, I was terrified. I didn't know if somebody was going to come out of a corner somewhere because I'm dipping in and out of the neighborhood. I thank God for protecting and watching over me. But at that age, anything could have happened to me on the way home. Anything. But they thought it was funny. They thought it was hilarious. And at that time... And it took months before my mom said, you know, we only laugh to keep from, she said, well, she laughed to keep from crying. She said, because God would tell her to go one direction. Oh, Geneva wouldn't go that way. Go down another direction. No, Geneva knows better than that. She's not going to take this side straight. Well, clearly she didn't know me as well as she thought she knew me. But I kind of figured that because she, after all these years, she's asked me what my favorite color was. I've only worn the same colors for years. Blue is my favorite color. Like I was always in jeans, always, always, always in jeans. Jeans or blue pants, blue, blue shirts, everything. Hence why Dallas Cowboys, I love you, but I was diehard. Green Bay Packers fan. I'm sorry, I can't help it. But long story short, <laughs> bypass all of that. Um, so the whole point is, is that sometimes in life, you have to do, like I was saying earlier in the, in the beginning of this, of this episode, you have to do double checks for yourself. You have to check in to you. You have to hold yourself accountable. You can't hold your happiness, your strength, your willingness to live, to want to live. And th that's the thing. A lot of times we're waiting for somebody else to come along to complete us. You got to complete you first. You have to know who you are deep down on the inside. That's you. There's a hierarchy to this. You can't be for anybody else if you can't be you for you. If you can't check yourself and say, hey, that, that don't feel right. That emotion don't, don't line up with my psyche. Why am I feeling this way? Why do I have that compulsion? 
why am not why am I that angry? And we have to check ourselves before we can check anybody into our lives. And at this age, I'm coming to that point point that I'm not fit or suited for anybody right now in my life. The first man who said he thought that this was love and it fact at that point because I had been through so much hell in my life I felt okay you know he had a tumultuous um childhood too he went through um he was in the system for a while because um his grandmother was getting older so he had to go into um a group home because his grandmother couldn't really take care of him or watch him and she had other grandchildren she was looking after and then of course her her children had children on top of children so he kind of got like shifted out like he got swifted through so he ended up going to the group home and um it was a horrible ordeal for him and he was telling me about how bad it was how horrible it it was like the counselors weren't really counselors they weren't really doing their job like he didn't feel safe there and if you had a birthday and the other kids found out about it or if you got gifts they would they would jump you for your gifts if you got money that was you would get beat down even more and he was telling me about um one of the the counselors for some reason i think i'm saying it wrong she may not have been a counselor possibly though because um she was sexually abusing him and so i don't think counseling is the right word to use for her position though but he was in the system and the only thing that saved his life was a car accident because she was going to take him on a road trip he didn't know where he was going he didn't know who was going to be there when he got to their destination but that that car accident saved his life he ends up she ends up going off the road and a will a will, um the windshield really came within inches inches of his face but the glass broke off and it hit him in his skull like split down the middle of his skull And so after that, his brother, who didn't know, his older brother, he didn't know any of this was going on. He he was in the hospital. And so he told them that he was going to come back and he was going to get him out of the group home. He was going to get out. He was going to get him out of that. So um, after the hospital, 
then his brother comes it took it took about i think he said it took about three months before he could get him out of the whole group home situation so it did take some time but he did go back and get his brother he did go back to get him and um then the girlfriend was a problem because the girlfriend was cheating on the brother and she told him if he told his brother then she would make sure he would be put back in the group home so what was he to do he had to keep his mouth shut and then she started looking at him as someone who could service her when her other friend wasn't available to service her so he was pretty much he was being victimized from a young age up until adulthood and i felt so i don't want to say i felt so compelled to be heartbroken for him but I'd be lying if I didn't say my heart was breaking with every sentence every inch of that and it's sad because this man who I had so much care for who I was starting to think that is this what love is supposed to feel like? Is this sympathy and empathy? Is this what I'm supposed to feel towards this man? Is this what this is? Turned out to be the monster that raped me a morning I was headed, I was heading home so I could see my godson. And I said, I'll, I'll be right back. I'll be back. But before that, he showed violent tendencies because he had one friend who was like, you gotta lock her down. This is marriage with two-year-old right here. You need to marry her. His boys were like, he was like, hey, he said, so you're the one that's getting a lot of his time and all this other kind of stuff. And so to, to me, in my mind, okay, I got the okay from the homeboys. All right. But it wasn't all I, not at all, not even in the least bit, because he would, the things he would accuse me of doing, he was doing on me. Any chance he had, anytime I stepped through those doors and would come back in, you cheating on me? Who do you know on the next floor that you got tied up and you didn't know how to get back down here to where I was? And I was like, why are you accusing me of cheating? Why, what, what's with this cheating? Like, stop accusing me of doing these things. And then that's when I got a call from my friend. And he said, um, are you talking to such and such? And I said, yeah, why? It was like, because I saw him at, um, what is that club? Um, 
it's on the rooftop out um I swear I can the sad part is really gonna suck I'm gonna remember this after this episode and it's gonna hit me like a ton of bricks but Casablanca thank you thank you guys you were so amazing Jesus the Casablanca lounge and he was telling me that he saw him smoothing some other chicks. He was getting really handsy with one of them. And I said, when was this? He said, a night ago. A night ago? I'm thinking to myself, this is ridiculous. This is really ridiculous. You're accusing me of all these accusations and you're smoothing and filling up other women. But at the time, I didn't know how to address that issue. I really didn't. Plus, I didn't know how it would go. I really didn't. Because me and him hadn't had problems before. Me and him never had an argument before. We were in a good place. I thought I felt we we were good, but literally that night we um I left my phone in the living no the kitchen. He had plugged my phone in, and I left it in the kitchen, and then I went back to the bedroom because I was doing my work on my laptop, and so. I went to go back to do my work, and then I got an email to call. Um, I had to call someone that was over this event that I was going to be photographing. So I go back into the living room. The guys are all playing on the video game. And I reached for my phone, and he was like, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting my phone. He said, okay. So I was getting ready to walk off with it. He said, He grabbed me, and he said, Make your call here. Make your call. You can text from here. You don't have to go back to the room. I said, what are you talking about? Let my arm go. He said, why Why? Why are you running to my room? Why, why are you running to the room? What's in the room that you so privy you have to do it in the room? You can't do it out here. Ain't nobody listening to you. Ain't nobody listening to your phone call. Now, I'm taken back by this because I don't know where the freaking fresh all this book is coming from. But I know I don't understand it. I don't get it. I sure as hell don't respect it. So, then he takes it another step further. He said, charge your phone a little bit more because I don't think it's fully charged. And then you can come back. So, he takes the phone out of my hands. And so I walk off, I go to the room, and I get back on my laptop. And then he calls my name. So I go back in the, towards the living room, towards the kitchen. And he was like, here, use my laptop. Use your, use your phone in here. And I was like, I don't want to use your laptop because all my stuff is saved on my laptop. I just want my phone back. So I unplug my phone. And this is when this man literally goes from zero to a hundred. He's poking me now. He's getting more aggressive with every poke. And I'm like, stop it. Stop it.
stop. And then he turns me around and he starts poking me in my back. He's like full palm. He's pushing me in my back. He's poking me in my back. I'm trying to walk as fast as I can to gain speed so I can be lying towards the bedroom. Why would I go to the bedroom? I have no idea. It's the dumbest idea and thought in the world. But one of his boys say, dude, chill, chill out, chillax. He's like, mind your business. Does this have anything to do with you? So they didn't say anything. They stopped talking. He stopped talking. They all were silent. So then um, he, he gets me in the bedroom and he goes to close his door, but he picks me up. He turns me around and now he's squeezing me. He's like, is this what you want? Is this what you like? Is this what you want? I said, put me down. Put me down. Put me down. Please put me down. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he's like, nah, you ain't sorry yet. And that's something I still can't understand. I don't understand. Why would you say, no, you're not sorry yet? Why is that something you should even have to say to somebody? Why is that something that comes out of your mouth like you're breathing? Like, it was like he just took a breath with that, like, not yet. You're not sorry yet. It was, it was almost, yeah, like a breath. It just rolled right off of his tongue. Then he started, like, he wasn't like a kisser kisser. Um, He didn't like kissing on the lips. But he would, but every now and again, he would shock the hell out of me, and he would like he would try to kiss me when I was sleeping. And once I would open my eyes, he would take the sheets and he put them back over me and he'd say, "That's all I wanted." Like okay, but not to delegate from the situation at hand. So, um. He's like kissing my neck, he's kissing up towards my ears, and then he ends up tossing me to the bed. He didn't, he didn't throw me, he tossed me to the bed, and so I end up landing, and he walks out. He walks off. So I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, uh, I can't stay here. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Not today. Not today. And then that's when he calls my name again. So I get up. And. He starts asking me. Where's this soup you said you brought me? Where's this soup you said you made me? I said. It's, it's on the stove. I said I was waiting for you to say you wanted it. I said I made you the steak already for lunch. He said, okay, it's dinner time now. So, I heated up the soup. I put it in a bowl. I put it on the, the food tray. And I, he went to the bedroom. 
He went to sit down. And, um, I ended up serving him the soup. And it was literally a countdown because I knew that soup, even for me, when I used to eat the soup, would knock me out. It would literally put me to sleep. So I was like, okay, he's going to eat this soup. He's going to go to sleep. So I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to leave. And then, like, while... Um, he's mid-soup eating. He was like, would you mind doing the laundry? Would you, would you go ahead and fold it for me? Plus, I'm getting ready to go on a trip, so if you would go ahead and start packing my bag. So, while he was paying attention to me, I, I was folding the clothes clothes, his underwear, I started packing his bag, his boys would come in and out of the room, I don't know what they were checking to see, or what they were looking for, but I said, he's, he sleeps, um, he's gonna be out for a while, and he was like, oh, okay, I mean, but I didn't know exactly how scared I should have been, but I wasn't scared of them at that time. I should have been more scared of him. But, so then they all leave, they all say goodbye, and they leave, and his roommate was still there, but he was getting ready to leave. I had already cleaned the kitchen, I had already cleaned up the mess from the soup, and then, um, he wakes up, and he was like, oh, so you, so you was gonna sneak out on me, like, you was gonna leave me, and I said, no, no, I was, no, not at all, not at all, like, I wasn't, no, I wasn't gonna, he said, okay, good, he said, because I, I really want, um, some muffins, It was like one thing after another. Like I, I got him the soup. I made him the soup. I did his, folded his laundry. I, I helped prepack him so he can go on his trip. And um, my phone. I left my phone in there, and then he said. What's your passcode? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to um, upgrade your phone. Because you know on the iPhones, you have to constantly make sure you keep up with all the updates. So, he took my phone and he was going to, he said, what's your passcode? So, I went back to the room so I could put in the passcode. He said, why can't you just tell me? I said, you can just hand me my phone and I'll do it. He was like, no, you can just tell me. So I'm trying to reach for my phone, and he's literally fighting me at this point because he doesn't want to give me my phone back so I can enter my own passcode. And so, um, 
I tell them what my path code was. And because in my mind, I figured I'm going to change it anyway. So go ahead. Go privy now because you, you want it. So go ahead and do that. And then um, he said, okay, I'm done. He said, I'm updating it. So let it update my muffin. So while the muffins, so I'm making the muffins and I'm getting ready to um to put them on a a tray and um that's when my phone starts ringing and he asked me who such and such was and I was like oh that's a friend of mine he said okay besides a friend what is he just a friend. Is he like a friend friend? Or is he like the guy that you're cheating on me with that lives up here in this, um, and these lofts? Is that what that is? I said, I'm not cheating on you with anyone. But are you cheating on me? And then he lost it at that point. He was like, ain't nobody cheating on you. Ain't nobody running around on you. And the saddest part in the world was, I still couldn't leave. I still couldn't do what had to be done for myself. So I just, so that night, Turns into the day. That day, I got up to take a shower because I was gonna. I had to get back home because my sister had to go to work, and I was gonna watch my godson, like I was saying before. And um, I'm in the shower, and he comes in the bathroom, and I had never been in the shower with a man before. I had never been anywhere with a man before. So to me, it was like, okay, I don't know what this is, but, um, he came up in behind me and I started screaming, wrong hole, wrong hole, wrong hole. It wasn't the wrong hole. It was just that I didn't have an understanding of what he was going to do to me in the shower. I really didn't. I was scared. I didn't I didn't know what that was. So he let me go and he sets these towels down on the floor of the of the bathroom. He lays down and he tells me to get on top of him. He said, Come here. I had never done that before either. So I was like, I was like, no, it's okay. He's like, no. Get down here. I didn't have a clue of what to do. I didn't have a clue of where we were gonna go in that direction. So to me, it was like he was opening my eyes to all these different things. And then um
So in the motion on the floor, he wanted to do, he wanted to get something from the bedroom and he wanted me to follow him. So now we're headed to the bedroom and he kind of pushes me on the bed and then Then he decides that he wanted to do it rough. So, um, he starts out going like aggressively rough and then he goes from doing that to moving all the way down in between my legs. And I don't, I didn't know exactly what I was supposed to feel at that time, what I was supposed to say at that time, but my brain was saying, I'm excited, I'm aroused, but. There was a part of me that I was scared. It was like, okay, 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 okay. I'm like, my body is saying, I like this, but my mind is saying, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. It's like downstairs is happy, upstairs is confused. So, and then our phones start going off, and that's when um, he had this, like prolonged text message because it just kept the phone kept going off and then it started ringing and it kept ringing and then but mind you he's still going down on me but and I still don't know how he did this because Well, I guess at that point, I was looking up. I wasn't looking down. So, I guess his fingers were doing their job. Well, one hand was doing one job, while his fingers on the other hand were holding his phone. So, when I went to go jerk to move away from him, he pulled me back. He said, I'm not done yet. So when he was finished, I went back to that shower to clean up, to get dressed, so I was getting ready to go. And then he said, um, are there still muffins in there? He was like, would you mind making breakfast? So I started making breakfast, and... And then I put it all on the tray for him. I take it to the room. He's eating. I'm letting my sister know that I'll be heading home soon. So I'll be there before her shift starts. And so I, when he's done eating, I take the tray. I clean the kitchen more so. I tell him that there's extras left over. If he's still hungry, hungry for later. And 
he normally he was getting ready to get up. No, he wasn't getting ready to get up. I said, aren't you going to walk me to the elevator? I said, you normally do. He said, oh, that's right. He said, but where are you going? I said, I have to get back so I can watch my godson. He's like, you know, pretty soon you're not going to be able to keep doing that for her. I said, you can't tell me what to do. That's my godson. Stupid, stupid, stupid. So, he's like, okay. So, he, he starts talking about how his, his dick itches and he's like, not only that, like, he's like, his dick hurts. And then he forgets that he had put on a condom previously because he had gotten started in the bathroom. And then when he came back to the room, he was doing that workup, got aggressive in that sense until he decided he wanted to go downstairs. Well, well, to eat my box out. And so he gets up and... He heads to the closet, and then that's when he says, Ugh. He said, Janina. I said, What? He said, "My, It hurts because I still had the condom on, and such and such and such. He starts mowing off about how um, if I had let him finish, finish, then it would have been fine. I said, I'm sorry, I'll be back later. And, um, and I started laughing because I could see him in the closet. He's literally, like, trying to get the the condom off of his dick. And to me, it was funny, but I guess, to, but to him, it wasn't funny. So, at this point, here comes this cat. Here he comes, and he's walking towards me now. And he's staring me down like, where, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? And that's ultimately how I felt because there was no way I was going to make it to that door before he made it out the closet. There was no way. So I start backing up. Keep backing up. Why Why was I backing up? I have no idea. But the pocket that I ended up walking in, back into was the very pocket that he would snatch me out of. And now I'm fighting to keep my legs still or to keep from w moving or walking at, any, at, at all. I'm trying to keep from moving. And I'm trying to, like, hold my, my, I'm trying to force my weight back so I can fling back. If I was going to hit the TV back there, I was going to hit the TV back there. I was willing to slam my head in the wall so he would let me go. But that didn't happen. 200 some pounds, six something. And, um. Pretty much manhandles me, and I don't know how he did it, but he unbuckled my pants, he unzipped them, 
he pulled him down to the degree to where he could go ahead and come from behind. I'm kicking at this point. I started to scream, but he he had his arms. He had one arm across my shoulder, and then the other hand, or the other arm, he used to make sure that I understood he meant business. So, one hand across my shoulder, and another hand or arm across my head. So I'm literally like between the, the mattress and a pillow. So turning my, my head was no avail to anything. And then when I would turn my head or try to lift my head up, I could see his face in my peripheral. And so that meant... I. Looking at him, I, I knew he could see me. And I knew he could see the pain I was in. So when he was done, when he came, he walked out the room. No, he pulled my underwear up. He pulled my pants up. He zipped my pants. He buttoned my pants. He walked out the way, the room. I couldn't really move. And then that's when he says, if you're going to do that, then we're not going to be able to do it like this anymore. We're not going to do it this way anymore. I'm, and I'm, I'm shocked because a part of me was numb. A part of me, well, I was numb, I was speechless, I was dumbfounded, I was bewildered because I didn't know how to explain what just happened to me at all. I couldn't say it at all. So I didn't. I didn't say anything. I kept it to myself. I walked to the elevator. And he knew what he did was wrong. So in the elevator, I kind of, I was moving away from him and he grabbed me and he starts to try to kiss me. He's playing with my boobs. So, I didn't get it. It was like he didn't get enough. He didn't think he did anything wrong. Needless to say, that was the last time I saw him. Then months go by, getting ready to go on the third month, turns out 
I'm pregnant. Now, I know some people are like, what do you mean? You didn't know for two months that you didn't have a period? But the thing is, um, I knew for a fact I had my previous, that, that previous month, I knew I had my period. So to me, I was like, no, I'm on schedule. I know what my schedule is, but it it didn't it didn't feel right. So long story short, um, because that didn't feel right, I ended up having to go to the next level. The next level of I gotta get a pregnancy test. So I go, I get a pregnancy test. When that test comes back positive, I said, no, 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 no. So I peed on the other stick, positive. Oh God, no, 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 no. So at this point, I said, well, you know what? I said, I gotta tell him. I said, I hope you know. You got me pregnant. I know you're not that guy that wants to scapegoat his responsibilities. But this wouldn't have been your responsibility if you had just let me go home. He says, oh, so you were cheating on me. You're talking about I'm not that guy. I said, you're such a dick. You're not that type of guy that would have a child and not take care of the child. That's what I mean by you're not that guy. You don't you you don't have to be such a jerk. And I wouldn't be in this position if you had let me go home. And then he starts going in on me about how he knew I was cheating on him. He knew I was a liar. He knew I was this. He knew I was that. But he was the one cheating on me. He was the one lying on lying to me. He went to Europe and had Menage Trois, three sums and four sums on me, all because he said that date and that time hadn't happened to me yet. So technically, that's in the past, and he hasn't cheated in my time my time zone. I was like this bitch. So I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I was slamming myself into. The bedroom doors. I was slamming myself into doors. I was slamming myself into things, anything to get rid of the baby. Anything and everything I possibly could think of. So I'm praying for God. I said, God, I know it's your will, but if you let this pass, if you'll let this pass, four days later, I started bleeding on top of I started bleeding like never before. It was like the floodgates was open. It was like all my old periods or something were coming through. And then I see this little white thing in the blood. I was like, oh, God, no, 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 no. But by then, I had already said, God, it's what your will be done. But, yeah, so... But in saying that, and to say anything else, it's just saying that that trauma took me years to get over. 
and I mean years to get over. Like, I can say his name now, and I don't have, like, I'm not having, like, a panic attack. I'm not thinking about doing anything crazy. It's a simple fact that sometimes, sometimes in life, we don't have to bury our heads in the sand. We don't have to seclude ourselves from people. We don't have to do that. Our lives have to continue. Our lives have to move on and have to go on. If we're ever, ever, ever going to have any progress in life, we have to get up and say, that happened. Yes, it was traumatic. But I don't ever want to repeat the same mistakes again. I don't ever Father God, if you give me peace from this, you give me direction for this. I know I'll be all right. As long as you keep holding my hand and guiding me, I know I'll get there. I know I'll do better. I know I'll be better. So, in all of that, um, I kind of was. That was my first miscarriage. I had a miscarriage literally, I want to say, three years later. But that was with someone that I had become really, really good friends with. And I was starting to like having like serious conversations with. So, but in all in all... I had to ask for two miscarriages, and I don't know how God takes these things. I don't know if he's going to hold it against me for when I really am ready to be with someone, like, so death do us part type shit, but I don't want it to hinder him and I from having children. Like, I don't want it to be a prolonged process to where we can't have any, but there's nothing really I can do about that, but all I can say is, is that I know I'm not ready to be a mother. I know I'm not ready for anybody to call me mommy. I know I'm not ready to be a full-on significant other to anyone at this point because I have to make sure Geneva's in check first because I can't be ish for anybody else if I, if I can't keep, keep and get my ish together. So, yeah, I'll put it like that. A lot of times you have to really check yourself. And you have to make sure that all these requirements and all these things you're asking for in a partner, you have first. 